Hello and welcome to everyone, wherever you are, whoever you are. It is, as always, a joy to share this Sunday morning's worship with you. This morning, we all gather as family to give thanks to a God who is our parent. A parent who is so willing to receive the praise we give, but also even more willing to give blessings to us and to do us good. Will you join me in a prayer of thanksgiving? God, we come to you this morning, you who are our maker, you who are our good shepherd, you who are the father of our life, you who are the source of all that we are and will be. On this Sunday morning, we stop to give you our thanks. Today, we lift our voices in thanksgiving. We fill our hearts with words of praise to you and our spirits with worship. Today we remind ourselves and each other that we are the children of a good God. When we look out at this vast, wondrous creation, even this small planet that we call home, we are in awe of your creative power. For you have made us, and we are yours. We are, as the psalmist reminded us, the sheep of your pasture. We are, as Jesus told us, the children of your family. You have made us, God, in all of our diversity, from the shades of our skin to the textures of our hair, right down to the coils of our DNA. We are the recipients of your generous care and your healing love. Each one of us, old and young, rich and poor, sick and healthy, native and migrant, is known to and cherished by you. You who love all of us with a relentless, merciful love. You who will for each of us to flourish in this life. This morning, we will give you our praise and our thanksgiving for your goodness towards us. We come before you with grateful hearts this morning, Father, hearts that are especially grateful for the gift of Jesus in whom our souls have found healing and through whom our relationship with you is restored. All these things we give you thanks for. Amen. And now, friend, Stephen is going to read to us from Psalm 46. My hope is that you'll let these words sink into your hearts and minds, for it is a psalm for uncertain times. In it, the writer reminds us that even in the midst of the storm, in the midst of natural disasters, God is always with us, always watching out for us. Our Old Testament passage is Psalm 46, a reading from the Good News Version. Psalm 46. God is with us. God is our shelter and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not be afraid, even if the earth is shaken and mountains fall into the ocean depths, even if the seas roar and rage and the hills are shaken by the violence. There is a river that brings joy to the city of God, to the sacred house of the Most High. God is in that city, 
and it will never be destroyed. At early dawn he will come to its aid. Nations are terrified, kingdoms are shaken, God thunders and the earth dissolves. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Come and see what the Lord has done. See what amazing things he has done on earth. He stops wars all over the world. He breaks bows, destroys spears and sets shields on fire. Stop fighting, he says, and know that I am God, supreme among the nations, supreme over the world. The Lord Almighty is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Will you now join me as together we pray the Lord's Prayer? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us for our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, now and forevermore. Amen. And now, friends, Stephen is going to bring us a reading from the Gospel of Luke. I'd like you to notice that what follows, what Jesus has to say in the following reading, is in a response to a request from a disciple and not a demand from the Lord. Our New Testament passage comes from the Gospel of Luke at chapter 11, reading verses 1 to 13. Gospel of Luke, chapter 11. Jesus teaching on prayer. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. Jesus said to them, When you pray, say this, Father, may your holy name be honoured. May your kingdom come. Give us day by day the food we need. Forgive us our sins, for we forgive everyone who does us wrong. And do not bring us to hard testing. And Jesus said to his disciples, Suppose one of you should go to a friend's house at midnight and say to him, Friend, let me borrow three loaves of bread. A friend of mine who is on a journey has just come to my house and I haven't got any food for him. And suppose your friend should answer from inside, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. Well, what then? I tell you that even if he will not get up and give you the bread because you are his friend, yet he will get up and give you everything you need because you are not ashamed to keep on asking. And so I say to you, 
ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks will receive and he who seeks will find. And the door will be opened to anyone who knocks. Would any of you who are fathers give your son a snake when he asks for fish? Or would you give him a scorpion when he asks for an egg? Bad as you are, you know how to give good things to your children. How much more then will the Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The story is told that before David Cameron left number 10 Downing Street for the last time, he left three numbered envelopes on his desk for his successor with a note that simply said, open one of these when you get into trouble. Well, apparently when negotiations with the European Union had become particularly heated, Theresa May opened the first envelope and it simply contained a note that said, blame your predecessor. Then when she lost the first vote on her Brexit deal, she opened the second numbered envelope and it contained a note that simply said, do a cabinet reshuffle. Finally, when she lost the third vote on her Brexit deal, she opened the third numbered envelope and it contained a note that simply said, prepare three envelopes for your successor. It's not known how many envelopes Theresa May left for Boris Johnson. Friends, The times that we are all now living in and living through have left us with all kinds of troubles, anxieties and questions. This pandemic has brought home to all of us how fragile our existence is and how precious the gift of life is. It has also brought with it feelings of vulnerability and questions about significance. I know this because I was in a conversation with a friend recently who spoke of these feelings and the questions that they provoked. I remember him saying to me, I often feel so vulnerable, so fragile and so alone as though my life could go down the toilet at any moment. This terrible sense of vulnerability had provoked questions in my friend's mind about the meaning of his life and the significance of his existence. He asked me, he said, I I sometimes feel as though I'm simply living a purposeless existence in a pointless world in a meaningless universe that could all just simply come to nothing. Questions about significance and meaning have always been there for human beings, but they are particularly pronounced when we go through prolonged periods of feeling powerless. Some sociologists and psychologists suggest that as human beings we are innately afraid of these questions, afraid of questions about meaning and significance, and that it is this fear that lies behind our fevered busyness and our craving, constant craving for constant distraction. They report that most people are so fearful of such questions that they feel that if they actually stopped their frenzied activity, their constant communications and their perpetual need for constant distraction, and actually sat down and thought about their feelings of vulnerability and their questions about the significance and meaning of their life for any length of time, that most people would feel the ensuing panic would be uncontrollable. So friends, how do we deal with these anxieties? 
Well, we've been given a gift, in some ways a very tiny gift, but in other ways an indescribably huge gift. It is a gift that is approximately 70 words long, and which we can recite several times a day. In fact, as often as fear and anxiety strikes, this gift is the Lord's Prayer. Now, the Lord's Prayer appears in slightly different form in Matthew and Luke's Gospel. And when we say it at church gatherings, we add on some extra words about the kingdom, the power, and the glory, would actually come not from the Gospels, but from First Chronicles. But today I'm going to talk about the version that we are familiar with, minus the additional part. In many ways, the prayer we know so well is actually like six envelopes that Jesus leaves on our desk so that we can open them when fear and anxiety strikes. The first of the three envelopes speaks to that question about significance and meaning. That question that my friend asked when he asked, am I living a purposeless existence in a random world in a meaningless universe? So let's take the envelope. Here's what's written in the first envelope. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. These words remind us that we are not alone, that there is someone watching over us and that we are in a relationship with that person. I remember as an 11-year-old boy getting ready to leave primary school for high school. Our teacher, Mr. Vaughan, told us that in high school we would be taking many exams and that these exams would be very important to our future. So in order to do well in these exams, he told us it is very important to take the time to read all of the instructions and all of the, quest- the questions. So to help us, he gave us a test. Now, in italics at the top of the test, it said, read all the questions. There were then two pages of 12 questions about various things we had learned in primary school. The last question, question 12, said, put your pen down and don't answer any of the questions. Which, when we got to it, made a lot of us in the class, including me, feel very foolish because we had not read the instructions, we had not read all of the questions. But only the last question made sense of all the others. There is a sense in which the beginning of the Lord's Prayer is like that last question, because it begins with words that make sense of everything else. It starts with God. More specifically, it starts with God in relationship with us, The relationship is not of a king with his subjects, nor is it of a God in relation to his worshippers, but of a parent in relation to his children. Jesus reminded us that everything starts with this relationship, and that it is this relationship that is central to our sense of identity and our sense of place in the universe. Simple, yet staggering. That's our first envelope. In the second envelope, we read the words, Thy kingdom come. There's only three words, but there are three words full of significance. That word kingdom, for example, reminds us that not only does God want us to be in relationship with him, but also that the full quality of a healthy relationship with God, with ourselves, with one and one another, is what God brings, and it is what God has in store for everyone and everything. And it says, thy kingdom come. That word thy, for example, reminds us that 
Only God can finally bring the fullest expression of that relationship. And that we at the moment continue to live to a large extent in other forms of kingdom, whether it is of kingdoms of our own making or those of others. Some of those kingdoms may be bad, others may be not so bad, but whether good or bad, they aren't God's kingdom. You and I often have our own checklist of how the world would be better if only we were in charge. It's so easy to say, thy kingdom come, but it's so hard to let go of the habits and the desires to say, my kingdom come. In fact, our politics are characterized by these habits and desires because we are so often convinced that all would be well if only things were done the way that we think they should be done. But the word come reminds us that the kingdom has not yet arrived, that it is coming, and that it is something that only God brings. It's not something that we achieve. It's great when our efforts align and anticipate that kingdom, but that kingdom isn't really about affirming our efforts. It's about saturating the world in the love and the glory of God. That's our second envelope. The third envelope simply says, Thy will be done on earth as it is done in heaven. This envelope indirectly reminds us that God has given us freedom, that we can use that freedom to depart from God's ways, that there are multiple possible directions to travel, and that our own will is part of that mix. But the envelope also reminds us that not everything in life is about getting ready for eternity. It speaks of a God who wills for us to know and to experience restored relationship with him, with ourselves and with others right now here on earth. It reminds us that we can best prepare for heaven, not by withdrawing from life on earth and biding our time till we can be fully with God, but rather that we can begin now to nurture our relationship with God, with ourselves, with others, and with creation. Together, these three envelopes address our anxiety about our significance and the meaning of our lives. They remind us that we are not alone and that it is not down to us. That there is, a, there is a purpose to life, a purpose to be known and experienced in relationship with God. Now for the second set of envelopes. These address our feelings of vulnerability. The note in the fourth envelope says, Give us this day our daily bread. If the first three envelopes were all about God, the second three envelopes are all about us. Give us. Notice, this is in the present tense. It is an encouragement, in a sense, to take the time to live in the now, to own and enjoy the day that has been given to you. In the Old Testament, there's a story of God's gift of manna, or bread, to the hungry Israelites in the desert. The manna was a gift from God to prove to the Israelites that even in the midst of a barren and dangerous landscape, he would provide for them. It was also a means of training the Israelites about how to live in the now and to be content to collect their daily blessing and not to spend their energy anxiously grasping enough for tomorrow or the next day and the day after us. The words in this envelope remind us to trust God in the moment, to live in the blessings of today rather than surrendering ourselves to the fears about tomorrow. The fifth envelope contains the words, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. 
If give us is about the present, forgive us is about the past. If give us taught us to avoid worrying about the future, forgive us warns us not to allow ourselves to be harnessed to the burdens and hurts of the past. There are two painful things about the past, the things done to us which make us bitter and the things we've done which can make us bad and certainly leave us feeling guilty. We often want justice for the first set of things so that we can be vindicated. But we also fear justice for the second set of things lest we be found guilty and condemned. Forgive us as we forgive is telling us we can't have one without the other. Together they're telling us that the key to living freely in the present is always about taking steps to heal our past. And then there's the sixth and final envelope. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is about the future. It's about our awareness of our own folly and propensity to do stupid things. The stupid things that we can and often do do. But it's also about the terrible things that can lurk in wait for us, against which we can often feel powerless. In his Christmas address in 1939, when Britain faced the dangerous uncertainties of war, King George VI famously quoted the words of Minnie Haskins, and he said, Go out into the darkness and put your hand in the hand of God. That shall be to you better than light and safer than a known way. Lead us, deliver us. This envelope contains a statement of confidence that the God who's provided for our present, the God who has healed our past, can in the future and will in the future be with us. Friends, I don't know what fears and anxieties, troubles and challenges you are facing right now, but I do know that God has prepared for you and I six envelopes and left them on our desks as the only advice we really need. Open them, not just when you're in trouble, not just when anxiety knocks at the door, but open them every day, even several times a day, and remind yourself. This is what they say. God is with you. God is coming to you. God is coming for you. God will finally be all in all. God gives you enough for today. God heals the hurts and damage of yesterday. And God will be with you tomorrow and forever. God bless you. Friends, will you now join me in a prayer? God of love and compassion, we live always and ever in the shelter of your love. We find safety in the shadow of your wings. You are the one who delivers us from the traps of our own making. You are the one who sustains us throughout times of trial. You are the one who strengthens us when we are weak and afraid. At this time, God, will you help us to put aside our fears? And in putting aside our fears, to look out for each other, 
to look out for each other in daytime and in darkness, that we may be those who even in a time of fear and despair are filled with a contagion of hope. Help us to live and act in such a way that all whom we meet will through our witness and our words and our deeds discover the hope that we have found in you. will come to realize that no matter who they are, they do matter. Help us, God, use us, God, to remind them in word and deed and through the sharing of your gospel that they are never alone. In the midst of this storm that we all face, remind us, as you did the psalmist, that you are with us and you are for us. At this time, may your presence, your help, your strength and your wisdom be given to those who work for our healing from this pandemic. May your strength, your wisdom, your help be given to those who govern for all our safety and welfare in the midst of this trial. Lord, help each of us this coming week to live in the blessing of today, to rejoice in the health that comes from the healings of yesterday's hurt, to revel in the joy of the forgiveness of yesterday's sin, and to look forward with confident hope that comes from the promise of your blessing in the days ahead of us. We commit ourselves to you, Father, always grateful for the blessing of being your children, always thankful for the help of your favor, given to us in days past, given to us in the present day, and being given to us and promised to us in the days yet to come. All this we give thanks for, all this we ask for, in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And now, friends, may the Lord be with you and yours in the day and weeks ahead. May he grant each and all of you the safety of his protection, the blessing of his favor, and the peace of his presence. Amen. God bless you.